everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the Livestream Final Fantasy podcast being recorded on Saturday, the 29th of July, 2017. Uh, my name is Flintlock, and I'm the technical editor on the Livestream. My name is Tetsujin, and I'm a site author on TLS. Hi, I'm Lex. I'm the site director. I am Tenyo. I am uh, one of the podcast editors. And I'm Carly, and I'm one of the podcast regulars and sometimes a uh, site contributor. Carly wears many hats around here. Yes. So, welcome everyone. Uh, <laughs> you may have noticed that we haven't had an episode for a while. We did just put up our Final Fantasy XV review, which was recorded uh, shortly after the game's release. And due to all sorts of technical issues, uh, only finally got around to putting it up now. Uh, Tenny and Carla, you are both on that show. Do you want to mention anything about what happened there? Um, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a mess. Well, I mean, just, just like the actual 15 itself, we ran into some technical difficulties and had a bit of a delay um, <laughs> where we had a program crash and lost all of our data and had to redo everything which was a pain. Yeah, that I really think sucked. the game as revenge for us always making jokes about all the time that the game took to come out, all the delays just decided to like get back at us and do it. Because we did the podcast and it died and like crashed when we were saying goodbye. And that's infuriating. And then we had to do it all over and there were so technical issues and we're like, I'm sorry, game. Karma. Karma came back to yeah. bite us in the ass. So you guys recorded the whole thing, and then it crashed at the very end. Yeah, Ryu was saying, like, thanks for listening, guys, and boom, wow. podcast dead. Yeah, like, because we were using Mumble, and yeah, we were, we were done. We talked about everything. We were feeling pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, we finished this. Um, God, was JT even on that? And then he couldn't even be on it when we tried to re-record it. Yeah, that's right. Um. And then, yeah, we, Rio was doing the whole wrap-up, like, thanks for listening, everybody, blah, blah, blah. And then Mumble just crashed, and he was like, what? What happened? <laughs> and everything was gone. Everything. Like, we, we, were, we had been recording for, like, three hours, and it was all gone. And so it was hard to <laughs> try to get it back to, like, trying to recreate everything we had done. Had to make all the same jokes again and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's up now, so if you haven't already listened to it, go and check it out. Uh, we're going to try and get back to recording and releasing episodes more regularly now, uh, perhaps every two weeks or so. And you may have also noticed that I'm not the same host as we had before. I'd like to give massive shout-outs to, uh, first of all, Vader, who uh, really restarted the recording of these podcasts for the live stream and did a fantastic job for a long time hosting, and will continue to host the uh, live stream retrospective podcast where they play through all the Final Fantasy games in order. And also a shout out to Ryu who hosted a couple of episodes in Vader's absence recently. Mm -hmm. Or you're really Vader and you're doing a fantastic British accent. Thank you very much. We'll never yeah, thanks so much Vader for making the podcast your baby and doing all that. That was great work. I feel like I have really big boots to fill here. For a start, I'm not sure my level of Final Fantasy knowledge is up to scratch with either Vader or Ryu, to be honest, but we'll, we'll muddle through. On today's show, we're going to start off by looking at some uh, Final Fantasy news from the last few weeks, 
Uh, then we'll take a look at what's new on the live stream before we move on to our main discussion topic and then get a little bit of listener feedback. So the first item of news we have on our agenda is uh, a recent interview with Tetsuya Nomura, where he says that it is unlikely that they'll be sharing remake information for a while. Uh, Lex, you've presumably read this article. What, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, like, typical Nomura. <clears throat> Who cares? <laughs> I think we're in one of those... Um, we're in one of those sad information lulls with Remake that we knew was um, probably going to happen, but we all had our fingers crossed wasn't going to when this game was announced in 2015 at E3. Um, and we remained hopeful throughout that period. And then we got, you know, a gameplay trailer, a PlayStation experience six months later, and that was amazing. And then all the news died. And then it was what? So this, this point after that was what, like a year and a half? A year and like eight months? Yeah. Something. Uh, and he's out with, oh, it's unlikely we'll be sharing remake information for a while. Oh, really? It's been a while already, though. So I bet you just shut the fuck up and give us some news, mate. Um, yeah, typical. It's, uh, what do you expect from Nomura? I'm trying not to be too negative, but <laughs> where it's he's just done this time and time again. So uh, I think we should all just, you know, try not to get too mad or too hopeful about the remake and just kind of ride the wave and see where it goes. It's a bit hard yeah, not to get cynical. Of... <laughs> it kind of makes me think that maybe they should have held off for another year or two to renounce the remake. But what can you do? I... I mean, there was all that news about it having been in development for something like a year before the announcement was made. Um, and then I won't you know, I won't step on the toes of the next news point we have to talk about, but yeah, it's not I'll looking good, guys. To link them together. <laughs> I do believe that we're getting a new trailer just... in uh, at PlayStation Experience this year. I, I'm still That'd betting be awesome. that. All right, so that's just your own kind of intuition saying that. Well, the thing is, you know, even with uh, you know Versus Thirteen, which is like the screening poster child for development hell. Uh, even with that, we got like a new trailer at least every two years. And, you know, this year PlayStation experience, it would be two years since the last remake trailer. So I feel like they kind of have to put out something. Mm, but uh, did you not also feel that way in January when they held the Final Fantasy 30th anniversary event on the anniversary of the, on the 20th anniversary of FF7? Yeah. And then again I mean, at E3, which was two years after the game was announced for that reveal trailer. Look. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the more often they don't show anything, like, the higher the chances are it'll happen the next time. Because at some point, they just have to show something. <laughs> I agree. Well, that, that, no, that is true. I mean, I'm, I'm half expecting to see something at TGS. Um, but since he's now given this interview where he said this, I think PlayStation experience is maybe the earliest we can expect something. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate for the sake of it here. You sound a bit like a gambler, Tets, who keeps betting on red and then says to himself, black's going to come up eventually. I mean, you know, it's all about probabilities and statistics, and, you know, I've got it all figured out. Yeah. Do you, th do you think we should be concerned that uh, two years on from the game's initial reveal, we've still only seen footage of the first mission in the Insect One reactor? But they're polishing that up now. That's what they've been saying for a while. 
We're just polishing back, you polishing up the intro of the game, guys, two years after it was announced. Yeah, we're almost done with the first opening bombing mission, which, I, I, unless a bombing mission maybe takes up the entirety of the game, I don't know, <laughs> or the part one, whatever. Well, I think this is probably related to the next point, which I was going to bring up, which is about um, the development of the remake, having recently switched from external with a company called CyberConnect2 to internal Square Enix in-house. Um, Tets, what do you think about that? You know, uh, the thing about that is I kind of uh, expected them to kind of do it mostly internally from the very beginning. So I'm not really too concerned about the fact that they're doing it internally. But of course, you know, there's the whole thing like, what does it do to the development schedule? Like, is, is it going to take longer now because of the whole switch? Or is it actually going to, you know, shorten development time? I don't know. Like, I really don't know about this. I've heard some people uh, speculating that it was a quality issue where they weren't entirely happy with the work that CyberConnect2 had done, which is why they brought it in-house, and that's also perhaps why they haven't been releasing any new footage from the game. Like they have to redo everything that's already been done? They may be doing that, yeah. I think it's, I mean, that's a Nomura thing again, though. Um, I, I kind of rag on Nomura a lot, and people don't like that, but at the end of the day, when it comes to remake, he in interviews has said he wasn't happy with the reveal trailer. Um, when the vast majority of fans, all of us included, will agree that every line in that is pretty perfect. Yeah. In terms of how the fans are feeling, and Nomura's not interested in that. Nomura is interested in, you know, spending five years making rocks look good. <laughs> And making <laughs> zippers on characters look really cool. And my God, they have lots of respect for Nomura. Nomura, I know it doesn't sound like it, but we're in a situation where I believe he has looked at it and gone, I don't like the quality of what I'm seeing. He complained in an interview as well after the gameplay trailer was released that it wasn't what he was seeing he didn't like and he had to spend a really long time polishing up and um, re-editing the trailer to become something that he was happy with before it was released. Uh, and I think it's just for the, he's taken that you know ethos and applied it to the whole project and just gone, actually, no, you guys are working really hard on that and the fans really like it. I'm not happy with that. I'm going to bring it to internal Square Enix and I'm going to change everything that he's have done. Yeah, was it, was it like, I got the impression that maybe he was not happy with like the certain designs that they used. Cause I know with the reveal trailer, they had some, some random, soldiers or whatever running up the stairs that look nothing like anyone that has ever been in Final Fantasy 7 has ever looked. Yeah. It kind of looked a bit like the designs from Before Crisis, I think. I don't know, because these people look like people that... Actually, oh, Before Crisis, I was thinking Crisis Core. I never played Before Crisis. So no one has. No one has. Yes. Very <laughs> few <laughs> people have ever had the chance to play it. That's true. It's probably worth remembering that Nomura doesn't have that much experience of directing in the Final Fantasy series. Um, of course, he has directed uh, the Kingdom Hearts series, which would bring us nicely onto our next point. Um, I was going to ask Carly about her thoughts on Kingdom Hearts 3 here, but she's actually just dropped off our recording. So uh, any other Kingdom Hearts players here? 
Um, I used to be super into Kingdom Hearts back in the day. I lost interest in it a long time ago, though. Um, <laughs> I thought that I feel like the last time I played anything from Kingdom Hearts, I played through part of Birth by Sleep, but I didn't get very far. Tets is massive on Kingdom Hearts. He's being quiet. Doesn't want to talk about. I do like Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I'm actually really excited for Kingdom Hearts three, especially you know the Toy Story reveal. That's something that I really wanted to see in Kingdom Hearts, and to me, it just looked perfect. Like the animation on the characters is like it's like straight out of a Pixar movie. Like I got to give credit to uh, you know the Square Enix animators. That, that was, was amazing. That was the news from the same interview with Nomura, which is firstly uh, that Kingdom Hearts three would be releasing in 2018. And then they revealed uh, Toy Story 3, but said that there would be fewer Disney Worlds overall. Um, so, Ted Singh, as you're now our resident expert on this, uh, do you feel disappointed that they're going to be fewer worlds, or are you happy with what you've seen so far? Um, if they're bigger, which uh, we know they will be because they look pretty massive compared to what we've seen on the PlayStation 2 games, then I'm pretty much okay with having fewer Disney Worlds. You know, more exploration uh, within a world rather than just having small worlds, but just more of them, you know. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right. Well, we'll ask Carly what she thinks about it if she ever rejoins us. But uh, in the <laughs> meantime, we'll move on to our next piece of news, uh, which is that Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, released quite recently and has been uh, very well received. It's had uh, zero negative reviews on Metacritic so far out of a total of 65. Only three mixed and 62 positive, which I think is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Tenny, you've been playing this, I understand. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I have been a huge fan of 12 ever since it was first released on the PS2. I've always, you know, been really defensive of it. Like, I don't, I don't think it's my favorite game in the series, but I've always thought that it deserved so much more love than what it got. Um, so far, I think that the game seems pretty great. I haven't gotten as far into it as a lot of other people on TLS have. Just um, I've just been busy and haven't had a chance to sit down and play games recently. But it looks beautiful. The um, the remaster of the score is gorgeous. They redid all of the all of like the voice acting, so it doesn't have like the weird. I don't know if I can describe like the sound that the voice acting had in the original game, which I always thought was intentional and kind of enjoyed, but it sounds really great actually without it as well. Even though a lot of like people... Like it was recorded through a steel pipe. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard people say that before. Um, I thought that that was intentional, but apparently that wasn't intentional. Um, it never bothered me. it was me. intentional for the judges at least. Yeah, for the judges. But even like, the, like with the judges, you can tell that they sound like they're talking from behind their helmet. Um, but everybody else still had this weird kind of tone to their voice. It sounded like mm. it was in some weird, like in a room or like lower quality mic or something, which I don't know, didn't bother me. But it sound, they sound great now. They redid it. Um, I'm still trying to get used to the jobs because those were not there in the original game. I do think that it will, so far it seems like it'll be an improvement because one criticism I did have of the original game was the way that the license grids were set up is that 
you basically you could it's cool the the idea that you can teach your character anything and everything seems cool but the way that they had it set up in the original game is that you basically had to teach your character anything and everything just to get to what you wanted to teach them like they would have um you know, a certain, you'd want to teach your character a certain weapon, but then they'd have like spaces for a completely different weapon you didn't want to bother with in the way that you had to go to get to where you wanted. And it was always, it seems strange to me because then it kind of feel like it, it took away a little bit of the customization because I'm like, well, I don't want to waste my points on this, but I have to because I want to get to this square. So now it's a lot more streamlined where you want to you want your person to be able to learn like one specific kind of weapon well now you pick the job that does that weapon and then you're good to go so there's that that's going for it so so far it seems good um i have to play a lot more but i think that i'm really going to enjoy it i think i would have liked it if they'd added the option to have the uh, base games license board where everyone can learn everything although i am eager to try the zodiac job system as well but unfortunately i don't have a ps4 it's not as much of a limitation as it appears, especially since, you know, international Zodiac job system, every character was allowed to have one job each. Um, I don't like the finality of, like, being locked into that. It's like you choose that job and your character is stuck there. So it's advisable, and I've seen a few places saying this, that because in the Zodiac age, you can actually unlock two jobs for each character, which gives you the opportunity to use all of the jobs in a single playthrough. Um, and the option to unlock a second job appears, maybe this is a bit of a spoiler, <laughs> cover your ears. Quite early uh, in the game. Cover your ears, but it's quite early in the game, it's right after the Tomb of Wraithwall. You get the option to unlock a second job, so uh, it's advisable even to try and kind of amble your way through the game to that point and make yourself a save. And then that can be your jumping off point in any future playthroughs, where you can make different class choices for each character. So don't make any job choices at all until you're done with Wraithwall's tomb? Well, I didn't follow this. I didn't, I didn't follow that advice. Okay. Uh, I chose my jobs as soon as I got characters, basically. Um, yeah, but that, like I did that too. Yeah, but like that's an option for people if they wanted, you know, a save file, a fresh save file to start again and make different uh, job choices for their characters. Yeah. Okay. I'm really that's glad awesome. that this game is uh, getting the love that it I think has always deserved. I'm, I'm sorry, Tanya, I cut you off when you still going to say something there. Uh, nothing important. I was going to be like, that's, I, was, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Perils of recording from the other side of the world. Um, sorry. But yeah, King, uh, King of Hearts, Final Fantasy XII has always been one of my very favorite Final Fantasy games as well. Uh, one of my all-time favorite games, in fact. And I think perhaps this re-release is opening people's eyes to it a little bit more. I think I do feel like 12 has somehow gotten a lot more love in recent years than it used to have back in the day when it was first released, which makes me very happy because it deserves it. Like, I, it, it wasn't a bad game by any means, but people, it became like the cool thing to shit on it for so long. It's like, but why? I think it's the, it's the case of like the fandom has had a chance to move on in the sense that they are no longer expecting um, the next original PlayStation era, Final Fantasy, so to speak. Because there's an argument uh, to be made that Ten was an evolution of that, um, and Ten Two was the direct sequel, so it got a pass for being quite different. 
Um, and then they released 12 and it was so, so different from anything they had done before that it got all this hate. It, critically, it did very, very well when it was first released. Like it's one, it's still one of the highest rated Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. But the fandom itself wasn't ready for that big a change, I don't think. And now that the fandom has like had years and years to move on and they've seen arguably worse in other <laughs> FF games, people are like, oh my god, this was actually amazing. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I love 12. And I know that there, there are bigger 12 fans on the forum than Lex and I and Flint and stuff. Like, Lif, who, like, and Fangu, who, like, live and breathe everything Final Fantasy 12. <laughs> I think Fangu might have started playing the original game again when the Zodiac Age came out. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, she's really? Got, I'm sure she's got Zodiac Age now. She's been doing it. Okay. Hmm. Well, I remember sitting through, like, she's trying to do, like, a, a speed run once, and I think she's, you know, from start to finish, she, I can't remember how long it took her, but it was, like... She's attempted it many times, yeah. I mean, she's yeah. really good at 12. Like, that's a lot faster than I could do it. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to read one uh, review that I saw, which is from Kotaku, and they've got like a, a tick and a cross, presumably for uh, good things and bad things in the game. And in the, in the good things, they've written, fantastic combat and world. The PS4 remasters changes make a great game even greater. And the only thing they've written for the bad things about this game is Vaughn. So, What's wrong with see, that's just mean. Truth. I think that's like something that's been going on for a very long time. This is just hate on Vaughn. I never found him. Like he's always his shoe turn into the story, but he's not like obnoxious or anything like that. I think that Vaughn is great. People need to like step off with their hate. And Pinello, people love to shit on Pinello too. It's like, no. <sighs> the issue with Vaughn is that he's a complete like non character. Like the the story is told through his eyes for the first like I want to say quarter of the game and the rest of the game he is irrelevant and so is Pinello. Um, and it's not that they're not likable as characters, it's just that when you look at the overall story of 12, there is no real reason for them to be there beyond a certain point. Well, Vaughn is there because of what happened to his brother, you know. But it's he, obvious I, that wasn't before. Like, it feels very tactile. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, I have, where was it? Was it Lyft posted an article where they... Apparently, you know, it's supposed to be Abash originally was supposed to be the main character, but they switched it to Vaughn, and that happened very, very early in development. Like, I feel like people think that Vaughn is an afterthought, but he was there pretty early on in the beginning. Um, I don't know. I like him, and I think that he he's a good everyman character, and I think that yeah, you know, all the characters have something to offer. I think maybe you've highlighted one of the issues with the. Uh... 12's characters in general and that the and early on in the story and this is something I've really noticed uh, with this playthrough I'm up to the fun coast by the way uh, early on in the story every character does have their reasons and that they continually kind of state for continuing to be a part of this group and um, the main important characters of the group and journey being Bash and Ash obviously um, and in almost every cutscene where a new thing is achieved, like get the Dawn Shard or whatever, uh, Balthier will go, okay, I'll come with you because I want to see this treasure. And Fran is obviously with Balthier all the way. Um, and Van and Penelo are like, okay, Van I'm, Van, I'm coming because blah, blah, blah. 
and they do have their reasons, but that just stops at the point where they decide to go to Arcades. Uh, and there is no real reason at that point for them to, but it could have, it could be saved with a single line like "I am coming with you" because blah blah blah. But they just don't do that anymore. It's just like, okay, now we're a ragtag group of friends and we're going to continue. <laughs> well, see, I think that once you reach a certain point in the game where you don't need to state it anymore, you've cut like the characters have come this far together. Why would like Vaughn and Penella decide? Oh, we're going home. Like because that. danger and death. They don't they don't that. understand that. I don't ex yeah, I don't accept that. They've come so they've come this far. They're not gonna go home now. Especially like Vaughn wants to see the Empire fall. He doesn't want the Empire to be you know, he's a citizen of Dalmasca and his brother was killed fighting the Empire. He wants the Empire gone. Like, you know, the citizens of Dalmasca just want the Empire gone. Vaughn that's a good enough reason for me for Vaughn to stick around. That's and totally fair. Canelo, I think probably one of the reasons people wouldn't like Penelo is she's a satellite character to a satellite character. I, I mean, again, to me they're fine. They don't detract anything from the story. They're both really useful in gameplay, so I would find them to be fine. Same. I think that, like, Vaughn is, you know, he's a really strong character and Penelo does. Uh, Fighting-wise, like, I, I usually use Bosch as, like, my tank, but Vaughn... I feel I can fill that role to an extent as well. And then Penelo is good for, you know, being the stereotypical white mage if you'd like her to be. And so from like a gameplay standpoint, all of the characters are really great to balance each other out. What was it that Kimball said about Penelo? God Queen Penelo? <laughs> because of her That's not the sign like her. Well, Penelo and Ash are the best magic users in the game. And Vaughn actually is a really good tank, better than uh, Bosch because his vitality stat is a lot higher. Fran makes the best machinist white mage, by the by. Fran is the white mage? Okay. Fran's stats are pretty bad. I never would have pegged Fran as being the white mage. Hmm. She is, it's because the combination of machinist and white mage is the best for her uh, animations and uh, stats. Shoot, now I almost want to restart the game because I made Penelo a white mage. <laughs> Penelo's a fine white mage too. Okay. I feel like we've uh, discussed Final Fantasy XII quite a long time now, and I did still want to talk about the music, but I think we'll probably fit that in a little bit later in the show. So um, let's keep going with the other Final Fantasy news from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Lex, this is a, an item that you shared on TLS, and I think it took quite a lot of us by surprise. It's uh, videos of characters from Final Fantasy XIII, specifically Lightning and Snow, promoting Nissan cars, specifically a car called Nissan Kicks, I think it was, in China. I think it's oh, God, yes. Nissan. I mean, shout-outs to, shout to Neogaf, which is where I found the thread <laughs> for this. And by the by, these videos were released in, like, early June. Um, <laughs> so they've been kicking around for, like, two months, and I was shocked to my very core that I haven't seen them being shared anywhere in any FF fandom. Um, but yeah, it's, they've inserted Nissan cars, inserted Final Fantasy thirteen characters into Nissan cars, and then inserted the Nissan cars into FMVs from Final Fantasy thirteen. So it's a little bit strange. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Not really sure <laughs> what what's to be said about it. Um, it's very, very strange that they've chosen to use Final Fantasy XIII characters this long after 
the After Lightning Returns released. I mean, we're just on the back of the release of Final Fantasy Fifteen, and they're still, you know, beating away at that dead horse. So I don't really understand why they've done this, but it's a neat little thing for the internet, I guess. Maybe they have a remaster idea. I was, was going to say, is 13 more popular in China that we just don't realize it or something? Or um, I mean, I think 13 is quite popular in China. I'm just, I'm just not sure if it's more popular than, say, 15, or I'm not sure. Do any of you recall last year when uh, Lightning was used to promote some, I think it was Vuitton, Louis Vuitton? Louis Vuitton, yeah. Some of those ads actually showed up. Like, I remember standing in line at the grocery store once and just randomly grabbing a magazine and flipping through and being all like, oh, Lightning, here you go. <laughs> um, and I actually bought an issue of the magazine because of that, because I wanted to look off the pages. <laughs> so it worked. Yeah, I guess it did. I mean, it didn't, it didn't make me buy Louis Vuitton. I don't think anything would buy, make me buy Louis Vuitton, but it made me buy that magazine. <laughs> so I think it was an issue of Marie Claire. I can't remember what it was. It could have been anything. But okay, I can see how this would work. Uh, the magazine would have a massive discount for you to buy Louis Vuittons. Then you would buy Louis Vuittons. Yeah, like 90% maybe. I think for, I feel like for some people, this kind of thing cheapens the character. But for me, I really like seeing Final Fantasy characters out and about in the real world. Out in the yeah, world. in a strange sense. Like, it's really weird. I remember when um, 13 was first releasing, it was on buses all over uh, the city I live in. And I was just blown away by that because I was like, wow, there it is. <laughs> There's that franchise that I've loved for years and years and years, and everybody looks at that. Do you know what I mean? And people will be going, "What the fuck is that?" And more people will be like discovering it. So I like that aspect of like these weird character cameos. I do like that. Yeah, I feel the same way that you know you're into something that you know that is not the mainstream, and then all of a sudden, it almost feels like I guess I can't I can't describe the way it feels, but it just it's feel, it's different when suddenly it's something that you loved that was just yours and it's now suddenly it's out there for yeah. everyone. Suddenly it's almost it's normal. <laughs> but you liked it before it was cool. Right? <laughs> I swear I'm not a Just nerd. a hipster. <laughs> right. I, I like it before it was cool. I'm gonna tip my fedora <laughs> I mean if it's cheap as a character, what does that say about Nintendo? <laughs> what does it say about Nintendo? Yeah, please explain. <laughs> And how many places do you see Mario? Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's different because, <clears throat> like, characters like Mario and Link are essentially children's characters, do you know what I mean? Obviously there will be people screaming in rage at me saying that because I'm not saying adults can't enjoy it because we all like a bit of Mario and a bit of Zelda, but they are very much, like, I think they're already it's okay part of for them culture. to be, yeah, they're part of pop culture, do you know what I mean? It's okay for them to be a McDonald's toy, it's okay for the, them to be, and they appear in so many other games and stuff, but it's different when it's a Final Fantasy character. There's something different about it. Especially from Final Fantasy thirteen. just why? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, it's because thirteen you know, isn't hey. that popular. Like, it is popular, but it's not iconic. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have that, like, when you say iconic Final Fantasy character, who do you think of? Someone from Seven. You know, I think that 13, 13 has had a lot of exposure, though. 
So I think that it will be a lot more recognizable to a lot of people, even if they aren't hardcore fans who've been with the series for a long time. Yeah, I think the exposure that the 13 compilation got was like Square Enix shoving it down everyone's throats and fans screaming, no, enough, do the next game already. <laughs> yeah, we're obviously that Well, that's out. happening with 15 right now, controversial viewpoint. Will be. Yeah. Which is also probably not going to help either. Speaking of Final Fantasy XV, it allows me to have a nice segue onto our next piece of news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also another uh, appearance of something from Final Fantasy elsewhere. This is uh, the news of the Regalia from Final Fantasy XV coming to Forza Horizon, which is, I believe, a Microsoft-published game Xbox exclusive, or probably PC now as well. Any thoughts on this from anyone? Is it bad that I've never heard of this game before? <laughs> no, it's, it's an Xbox exclusive racer, so... Okay, because I don't you own can an Xbox. Tell. Yeah, you can tell how much likes approves of that. I mean, the news in general is just like, has anyone ever seen that YouTube video of the woman, the old woman, who goes, who cares? Because <laughs> that's me right now. <laughs> I don't know if I have, but I will yes. look it up. I mean, Forza is a world-renowned racer. Um and props to whoever enjoys it as a franchise. Um, the Regalia is not an ugly car and it will be in the game. What do we have to say about that? For my part, it's the women in the YouTube video. What I want to know is, what I want to know is, can you customize your car and then like port it into Forza? If you have a probably not, we don't really know the details yet. I doubt it. I think when that was a promotion like this before, (laughs) then you had to own the game where like the car was coming from in order to get it in Forza. But I'm not sure if they're going to do that here or if it's going to be paid DLC or what. We still need to find out some more. No, if it's that, if it's that nice, nice as fuck, Audi, they revealed at the Final Fantasy 15 reveal event. I'm jealous because that that was a nice Audi. I'm a bit confused. And they actually like, yeah, that was. Like the Audi was supposed to look like was that supposed to be the actual the regalia or was it like one of the cars? In- I think it was like a regalia inspired Audi that was in Kingsglaive and they only made one or something. And I'm not a fan of um video game companies bringing cars onto the stage for the sake of going, Wow, look at this car because why? But it was a nice looking car because they get money, <laughs> right? It wasn't. I- I mean, I can tell you that I care just as much about both Forza and 15 after seeing that than I did before, which is I don't care at all. Okay, well, I think that's probably a prompt for us to move on to the next item of our schedule. <laughs> no one cares, let's move on. <laughs> Not a way to end it. We don't care. Bye. <laughs> All right, so that pretty much wraps up the Final Fantasy news from the last couple of weeks. So let's have a quick run through of what's new on the livestream.net. Uh, first of all, we recently put up a review of Final Fantasy XIV's most recent expansion, Stormblood. Uh, three people contributed to this review, and they each gave their experiences and a score. And we came up with an overall score for the review, which I won't spoil, so go check it out. Um, Carly, you are one of the three people to have contributed to this review. Uh, how are you enjoying Final Fantasy XIV? I mean, first of all, you can uh, th- that joke. I might be maybe in the Final Fantasy expert, fourteen expert is kind of 
I'm actually like now playing the game. I mean, it was interesting because it's the first contact that I ever done when it actually came out. Uh -huh. Which part of it, I'm not, I'm not sure I will be very into doing that again because that's the long queue times. Uh, my game has a direct X fatal error, so I will play for an hour and it will crash, and that would basically mean I couldn't play the rest of the day because I will have to wait like three hours to get back in, in the game. Uh, the good thing is because we're on a European server, I get to play in the morning and get to play in the evening where there aren't any European players, so I get to play like without doing any queue times. The game itself, I enjoyed more than Heavensward. I love like the Asian feel, like I love Kugani. It, it was beautiful and I don't want to ever leave, which is sad because I used to spend like, a lot of time in Linsa like jumping on the spikes. Like, you flip just to do too. Yeah. But like, God is so beautiful. I was going to say, I'm still on the fence on whether or not I want to give 14 You do. You 100% like should. I've had, I've had multiple people try to convince me, and I'm just like, I just don't know. I'm you definitely should. In, I'm afraid of being sucked into another MMO back, because back in the day, I used to play World of Warcraft. I'm like, I know this is Final Fantasy. Do I really want to do, it, do that again? I guarantee you, you will get sucked <laughs> in, but it's worth it. And you have us. You can play with us. Do I have my TLS? Mm -hmm. Yes. I might as well just throw in a quick plug here that if anyone is on the Cerberus server in the Chaos Data Center, which is for European servers, uh, if you see anyone with the TLS tag running around, then do give us a shout. That's us. And if there's someone on a spike, it's either Flynn or me. Probably Flynn because I'm not on <laughs> Loomsa anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I've been really enjoying Stormblood as well. And obviously, I've only been playing Final Fantasy XIV for, I think, four months now, three months possibly. So this is the Since first... March. Yeah, this is the first current content that I'm doing as well. And I couldn't do it right at the time it released because I was busy, but I've really enjoyed like the experiencing everything as a complete newbie again. Kind of reminds me of when I first started again. This would be the point where I say I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV since the A Realm Reborn beta in, I want to say, July of 2013 or 2012. Yeah, it's been it's at least four years, so um, I'm still in love with the game. Uh, Stormblood is the best expansion, best content I've had, in my opinion, and really, really enjoying it. I think, it, like, for me, one of, the, one of the things that I liked it more than Heavensward is that I feel like the the story and what's going on in Stormblood has been building up for some time. It's like as far back as I've been born. So it feels more familiar than Heaven's Word. Yeah. Tets, have you ever tried Final Fantasy XIV or thought about it? Uh, no, and I don't think I'm ever going to play an MMO. Just don't have the time or you know, don't want to put in the time and the money. So it's definitely a massive time sink. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so is that. Did now did 14 do the thing where you can play for free up to a certain level? Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, it's free. It's free now up to level 30, I think, and then it stops okay. you from progressing. Um but but oh, until yeah. you get a subscription or buy the game. 
So it's like it's completely free to download and play it until you hit level 30. And then if you buy a copy of the game, and by the by, you can get the base game really, really cheap, like for $5 or less. Um, you get okay. the first 30 days free. And then if you buy, like, this is if you buy them separately. If you buy, like, if you then go on to buy Heavensward, uh, you get another 30 days free. And it's the same if you go you on to buy Stormblood. You don't get that with Heavensward. I'm not sure if they've started doing it with Stormblood again, but they didn't have it when I bought Heavensward, at least. Did you buy it separately? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it was just with like initial releases then, because I definitely got an extra 30 days free when I bought them at release. Okay. Yeah, me too. But I, I think maybe it's because he bought it when it was so close to Stormblood that they weren't doing that anymore. Yeah, possibly. But I don't think they're doing it for Stormblood standalone either. At least I didn't get any free gameplay time. I did. Oh. Okay, so maybe, maybe I'll download it and play to level 30 and then see. One of us. Okay, it's funny that you think you're just gonna try it and not play it again. Even if you don't want to, they will force you to mm-hmm. keep playing. <laughs> I was totally worried about getting hooked before I started playing, and then I got hooked. But I'm enjoying it, so I'm not complaining. Flint resisted, resisted joining for years, and I literally mean years because I'd been telling him for years that he would enjoy it. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, just a wag of sucked in. Yeah. That was a good impression uh, of me. Yeah, and then we, <laughs> and then we went to Coupocon in March, and he met other fourteen players, and he saw the fourteen cosplays, and he was like, I really need to try this game. <laughs> Everyone was so enthusiastic, oh, enthusiastic yeah. about it when we met in person. Yeah, it's that good. It really is. What's funny is that a few weeks before your your con. He, you, Flint, were in a voice chat with us, and I said, like, if you get, like, you actually decide to play the game, do like do it after we finish playing Mass Effect Andromeda, so we can play with you. But you didn't, like, we were playing Mass Effect Andromeda, and you got into the game. Yeah, my my timetable bends <laughs> to no one. Sorry. <laughs> Flint is his own man. Exactly. Oh, there's another also, word for that. leveled up. Um. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to know. I don't want to know either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What'd you say? He said considerate. I did not catch that. I said uh, inconsiderate. Oh, inconsiderate. <laughs> I, I heard what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing is he leveled up insanely quickly. Yeah, I didn't actually go on the free trial. Uh, because I was given a copy of the the base game in like some Christmas pack from a year ago or so, and that came with just thirty days of standard play, and I hit like level thirty in a couple of days. So even if I had been on the trial, I would have just blown straight through it immediately. Anyway, uh, let's move on from talking about one of the newest Final Fantasy games to talking about some what of an older one. Uh, another piece of news from the live stream is that our dirge of Cerberus multiplayer archives have been given a major update by the irreplaceable Shademp. Shademp, I never think I say that right. Uh, He's just added a section about the online missions to the game. Um, This is so detailed, as always, with his work. Uh, You can go through every online mission in the game. I think there's like a 100 of them or something. Uh, You can sort them by rank. You can go look at videos, uh, screenshots, information, 
you know, such as time limits and everything. Really recommend checking this out if you have any interest in Dirge of Cerberus whatsoever. I want to be clear about the um, level of effort that Shademp puts into his work because it is truly amazing. And the Dirge of Cerberus multiplayer was only ever available in the original Japanese release of the game. So online footage is scarce and very, very difficult to get a hold of. And Shademp has had to do some extreme digging to get all of this info. So I'd really recommend that you check it out and props to Shademp for doing it. Yeah, he had to yes, dig really you, deep. Yeah. He had to go down the rabbit hole for this one. His dedication to Insert, the entire Insert. compilation is is incredible, and he's I think one of the few people who actually enjoys Dirge. Possibly yeah. controversial. Yeah, it's funny because at one time, you know, I was following his thread. I, he he did a couple of like Dirge of Servers playthroughs, getting like all S ranks and all that kind of stuff, and I kind of found his enthusiasm a bit infectious. I was like, you know what? You kind of make me want to play through Dirge again as well. So I booted up the game, played halfway through the first level, and I was like, nah, fuck this shit. Dude, I did exactly <laughs> I the same thing. <laughs> See, when I first started doing it, I remember I was talking to him on Skype about it one day, and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting the, the S ranks on, you know, these levels and the original, and I managed to secure this copy of, like, the original Japanese version of the game and blah, 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 and I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I haven't played Dirge in a really long time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. At the time, I was streaming lots. So I decided to stream my playthrough, and I think I got to the chapter where you're in Edge, and then you end up, I think, shortly at the, next, at the start of the next chapter, you're stuck somewhere in, like, the Shinra Mansion basement or something. Uh, and I got kind of stuck, and I just kind of went, I'm done. <laughs> I have no desire to continue. <laughs> Bye. Did you guys ever beat Dirge originally back I in the day? I beat it on the day it released. I bought it the day it released, and I beat it the same night. Um, and I never <laughs> played it again. I played through it several times, and you know, back then I actually kind of thought, you know what, this this game isn't bad, it's just kind of mediocre, but honestly, like now going back to it, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty bad, actually. Especially with modern aiming and stuff. Yeah. It has not aged well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I kind of find, I don't know what, what you know, Shadump finds so interesting about this game, but, you know, I, I do admire his enthusiasm uh, about this game and that he really, you know, all the research he's done. That's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. The only Dirt Servers thing that i ever done is when we were trying to do uh, the commentary for it. That was the first time I ever saw the game. And I, I, I've never played it. I don't have any intention of ever playing it. To be honest, guys, it's not unfun. It's not unfun to run around the world of Seven um, and to, you know, be able to double jump around the place as Vincent. It's it's not <laughs> crap. It's just um, very off in so many ways. <laughs> well, I always felt that there, I seem like there's a lot of missed opportunities in Dirge. Like, why did you bring not, not bring in the rest of the cast more yeah. often for more screen time? All right. Well, moving on then. Uh, okay, I mentioned that Shadimp is is pretty irreplaceable for us, but um, I think there's someone else in, on our staff who comes close to him for level of efforts and detail into his projects. Uh, that is the staff member known as the Twilight Mexican or Trez Diaz. It's you and me. <laughs> some people, some people That's might know funny. him as Squall of CD. He used to go. I believe he well. still publishes articles on the front page under that pseudonym. Yes. He recently uh, compiled something called the Final Fantasy XV Lore Archive. So never let it be said that we're only a Final Fantasy VII website. 
Um, this law archive was a massive project, which was made all the more incredible by the fact that he hasn't actually played the game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that should be pointed out. He's neither played it nor does he actually like that game. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. We need. To, we need to buy him a PS4 somehow. Get the money. Be like, okay, now you can actually play the game that you've put so much. Effort yeah, on. for sure. I just. Um, I think. It, I think his uh, love for it, for the lore at least, comes from his obsession and an obs obsession that most of us shared with Versus Thirteen when that was a thing. Um, and I think he just got really into the idea of you know, watching the story and watching all these things and, I don't know, 15 fell apart from, for me um, shortly after I finished it. I haven't touched it since, uh, which is very unusual for me in any Final Fantasy game. Uh, I've not fully formed an opinion on it yet, but Trez's uh, dedication to publishing that load archive is unbelievable and the detail is unbelievable. Shall I perhaps just explain a little bit more about what it is? Uh, in his own words here, he said, it's an attempt to document all the bits and pieces of the game and two or three things outside of it that introduce or expand upon the lore of the Final Fantasy XV universe. And then there is uh, a number of kind of sub-pages within this archive, uh, including chapter-by-chapter -chapter lore exposition and development, in-game loading screens, in-game radio broadcasts and newspaper articles, miscellaneous lore, and even translations from uh, Final Fantasy XV Ultimania scenario side. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what that is. So yeah, again, if you've played XV, if you have any interest in XV, then go check this out. Uh, there's currently a link to it on the front page of the livestream.net. Go browse at your leisure. Any more thoughts on that? I wish the game would have done a better job, though, because you read stuff after you play the game, which is one of the things that annoy me about the game that were not really explained or expanded or anything and you find it after the game it's like why wasn't this in the game the whole thing with like the what's his name is uh prompto's father that should have been in the game how do you guys feel that well i don't want to cover old territory here with final fantasy 15 review but <laughs> <laughs> Well, just quickly, overall, how, how good a job did the game do of, of telling its story, do you think? Oh, poor. Piss poor. Uh, which, which, which half of the game are you talking overall. specifically? No, it did not do a good job at all. The game is fun, but the story left me fairly unsatisfied at the end, I have to say. Poor. It's just poor. So the story is flat out poorly told. The first half is passable. I would say that much. It's passable in the sense that you feel like it's building up to something. You feel like there's major stuff going on behind the scenes that you're going to find out about, and the second half completely fucks it. So squandered. It's it's not good. I mean, they've said since the beginning that they're planning to add more cutscenes, etc., to explain what goes on in the second half, but it could not be clearer that it suffered, the story suffered massively as a result of its development. Uh, it wasn't finished, and the second half seemed to be like they took chunks of what was left of Versus and chunks of what the idea for 15 was. They put it together and, okay, let's see what happens, and it was not good. Despite all the delays, do you think ultimately they kind of rushed it a little bit? Yes. Absolutely. The second half is obvious that that game was not ready. 
Oh, considering that they they restarted the game, what, like three years ago or something like that? The story goes like, that it's the like, the story goes that the, uh, the game actually only had between 18 months to two years of development before it was released, which is just insane, really, when you consider, you know, the announcement at, at E3 2012 that this thing was coming. Um, 2013. Was it 2013? Yeah, because that, that was the year that they did the reveal for the new consoles and then Kingdom Hearts yeah. 3. So, I mean, when you consider that and when you consider how long it was in, like, Versus 13 was in development hell before that, the fact that the director switch happened shortly after the title reveal that it was 15, etc. All of these things, just awful. Yeah, he, I agree with what he said and he was right. That was what I was going to say. I'm done with it. Okay. I'm through with it, 50. I'm through with it. I mean, I'm still going to play more. I need to, I haven't played episode Gladio yet, let alone episode Prompto, and I need to do that. Um, and Ryu and Lith recorded a little mini a little mini thing about like an hour long of episode Gladio that I'm going to finish up so we can put up. Um, other than that, I mean, I think that 15 is enjoyable from a gameplay standard, but the story I thought needed a lot more. I'm, I mean, here's the problem that I have with the whole situation, because there are people who said, oh, but you know, there were like this whole issue that they had to restart the game and all that stuff. I don't have any sympathy for the company. They put themselves in that situation. And even in the time they were supposed to be restarting the game, as it turns out, they, they changed still from 2013 to when the game came out not the game that they made that is the one that later came out so i have no sympathy for them the the issue is that like there's like it's a fun gameplay wise sort of even you know when they did that event where they show like the car flying all that stuff that was a thing that annoyed me because the car you can only fly the car after the game is over and what do i really need the car to fly then the, a lot of stuff that they promoted wasn't actually in the game it's just like they keep adding stuff now, and I don't care about stuff being added now because I already played the game. I do have to say that I enjoy the off-roading a little bit, um, like the big tires that they give you, and I think that's kind of fun. And I, I don't like, I, I hate flying the regalia, but I love driving around with the big, huge tires. I mean, I've like, I haven't touched 15. I haven't touched a 15 patch since the game was released. So, I mean, yeah. it would probably be a very different experience now that there have been a few patches and there's some DLC and stuff. Um, and I will play the game again at one point. I just, right now, I do not care about it. I just I just don't. Like, I'm very much, when it comes to Final Fantasy games, I'm like, I need the Platinum Trophy because I just need to have it because it's a Final Fantasy game. Like, I have the Platinum Trophy for Type Zero. I have the Platinum Trophy for every Final Fantasy game that is world of Final Fantasy, every FF game that's released on PlayStation since trophies trophies came uh, except 14 because fuck that but um i'm just not fussed about 15 for whatever reason right now i could take it or leave it every time i see there's been an update in the 15 thread i click on it and i kind of scan read it and just go why do people care about this <laughs> which is like a really negative yeah. thing and i'm sorry to fans of 15 i uh, understand that every ff is going to have its fans and perhaps one day i will be as big a 15 fan as some others are, but I just can't muster up the will to care. 
It's, it's, it was a very weird time because it's got, kind of similar to what happened to Andromeda. Now it's like been put on limbo. And we, you and me, we're big Bioware fans. Neither of us has touched the game after, after we finished it. No, are we really interested in, in what's going on? There's been like three patches that they added a bunch of stuff to fix the faces, and I just don't care. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably enough Final Fantasy 15 discussion for now, but I will remind listeners that if they want to hear more, then there's a uh, two hour, 20 minute review up, which you can currently find on our front page of the livestream.net. Uh, last piece of news from the live stream is that we have an ongoing Final Fantasy X community playthrough, which is where everyone starts playing the game at the same time, and then they're given t- like chapters each week with target points of the game to get to. Then once they reach that point, then they will go on the forum and share their thoughts about that chapter and the game in general. Um, unfortunately, n- none of the five people in this podcast are taking part in this community playthrough. Uh, I think a-, a few of us voted for Final Fantasy XII, and then we were a little bit disappointed when Final yes. Fantasy X won. Because <laughs> 12 would have been such a good timing. Ten, I'm, 10 is... Maybe objectively it's not the greatest game in the series. But it will always have a special place in my heart. It'll probably be the, the one that I think the most fond of. I love FF10. I love it to bits. I loved it when it was released. And I've got, it's got the nostalgia factor. And I love everything about it. I love its story. Uh, I love the I mm-hmm. love the turn-based battle system. I I really love FF10, but right now I am playing the Zodiac Age, and I'm also playing Stormblood on a fairly regular basis, and I do not have the time to participate in a Final Fantasy X community playthrough. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout outs to Kimball for trying to troll the vote and make it a tie, and then it, he ended up actually breaking the tie instead. Right. Anyway. <laughs> I will probably go back and play through 10 and maybe try to answer all of the questions that JT has put together in that thread, but probably not till after I'm done with Zodiac Age. JT seems to be doing a really good job with it, and I do go in and read the thread just to see what people are saying about it. They've been going about four weeks now. I have two. I have two because I like, I mean, I love 10, so I will go and read it, but I'm currently not playing through it. I just want to say, like, as the site director, I feel very shitty that I'm not being a bit more supportive of the community playthroughs these days, but um, I want to thank JT for taking that on and putting the effort into seeing that through. I can care. Yes, thank you. Thank you, JT. You are doing a, a wonderful job. And we miss you. With all of your... I yeah. He was supposed them. to be here today, but then something came up. Hopefully we'll get him on next time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just about covers all the news that we've got from the live stream. Uh, let's get on to a discussion topic, which I'm going to present to the guests on the show. And I'm also going to throw it over to the listeners as well. So uh, please write in or leave a comment on YouTube or our front page if you would like to answer this question, and we'll try and read it out next time. The topic is, do remasters make the old games obsolete, or do you still find reasons to play them? And my spotlight's going to shine on the person who's been quietest recently, and that would be Tetsujin, to answer this question first. Um, for me, for the most part, yeah, like remasters actually kind of completely replace the originals for me. Like if it's a decent remaster, I generally don't really have reason to go back to the original outside of, you know, wanting to compare. Um, 
I don't know, like the only the only times I would say that, you know, I would prefer the original over remaster if, if, they, if they really messed up the remaster, like something like Silent Hill HD Collection, which is like riddled with bugs and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, remasters all the way. Remasters have basically replaced my entire PlayStation 2 library of games. Thinking specifically about, sorry, about the Final Fantasy games, we've recently had remasters of quite a lot of them, uh, 12 obviously. 10 came out a few years ago uh even you know nine and seven have been like touched up a little bit have you guys been playing all of those remasters i have not started nine i kind of watched part of a playthrough of the nine remaster and i think it looks gorgeous and nine is definitely a game that i need to sit down and play again for the retrospective um but yeah i feel the same way that when a remaster comes out Especially when you think about like how technology has progressed and you go from having everything like in a square to having like a nice widescreen and better face like character models, it's it's gotta be the, the remaster all the way. The only thing is that with I, there's a part of me, even though I've got the 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 PS3 version of the ten remaster, I'm tempted to like buy the PS4 version just Same. because I don't like the I don't like the way they did the re they redid the soundtrack for ten and I don't like a lot of the remixes, but they put the original one on the PS4 version, which is why I kind of want to get it. But other than that, that's still a remaster. So yeah, remaster over the original. I, I mean, think. yeah, I mean that feeds into what my opinion on the subject, which is basically that it's going to be subjective, depending on the game and depending on what changes have been made. Because if you don't like certain changes, then the original is always going to be there for you to go back to. Um, For example, there's an argument to be made that, you know, uh, the PS4 version of FF7 is a remaster, which isn't strictly true because it's a port of a port of a port. Um, So I would probably prefer to play the original if I could. just based on there's some really there's some really annoying bugs um in the PC version that made their way into the PS4 version. But it also has some nice features like speed. The FF10 remaster, same ah. situation as um Tenny in that I don't really like there are some of the remastered tracks I really don't like. But in the PS4 and PC versions they've they allow you to choose the original soundtrack. Uh, and I think they finally got that right completely right with uh, Zodiac Age because at any time you can go into the menu and change the voices from English to Japanese and change the soundtrack from original to remastered. Now when I got my copy of 12 it gave me a code where I had to go and download the original separately and it insinuated that if you didn't have this code from like the special Steelbox edition you wouldn't get that. I think that's just in America. No, I think it's well worth. Oh. Well, I don't know why I have the option because I have the normal version of the game, that I, and I got it from Amazon. Version. No, I didn't. I didn't buy a deluxe version. I was going to get the steelbook. I don't know. No, I didn't. I don't have any codes. Like there's no codes in it, so it just I just have that option in my menu. Have you tried using the option? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I switch great. between them all the time to hear the difference. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was something I was going to bring up, which is that I think it's a little. Okay, I'm not going to miss my words. It's it's bullshit to make people have to pay extra for the original soundtrack as DLC, or like you can only get it in a deluxe version of the game. But I mean, yeah, I completely agree. 
absolutely agree with that. The only thing I would say is I'm not sure how that is supposed to work because I definitely have that option and I know other people have that option and they didn't need a code to get it. So I don't know how... And I, but I, and I remember before the game released, they were like, oh, this, this version comes with a code so you can download the original soundtrack. Hmm. And it was like, why? Why is that a thing that shouldn't yeah. be a thing? But mine, mine doesn't. Mine, I have the normal, cheapest version of the game. I got it from Amazon. It came in the normal case, and that option is in my menu, and it's it's an easy switch because I've done it a few times. And the only other thing I would say is, why would you want the original soundtrack for Twelve anyway? Because the Twelve soundtrack, the remaster of Twelve soundtrack, is not like the remaster in quotation marks of Ten soundtrack which is more of a complete instrumentation change where they completely change the way some of the songs sound. The 12 remastered soundtrack is literally just the original soundtrack, but orchestrated properly. Yeah, the only thing I do have to say that I think I might have liked the original version of the lower tone music because I kind of feel like the, um, the remastered version seems a little quieter and subdued in parts, whereas like the original was kind of louder. Yeah. I mean that could be that could be other your sound that, system as well. Oh, it could be, I suppose. Because but other than that, every, all the other s- tracks I've heard so far are mm. gorgeous, like the Rabinaster theme and all that. Do any of us think that we'll go back and play the original Final Fantasy VII once the remake comes out? Me, one hundred percent. I've actually, I actually haven't enjoyed the PS4 version. Um, I like that there's trophies for the PS. Like their other versions don't, and you know I, I do think that the PS4 version looks a lot nicer. Like you can tell that they spruced it up. Um, but I actually am enjoying the really high speed. I think it's kind of hilarious, and the um, endless limit breaks, where if you, I, I actually I accidentally for some or not really accidentally for some reason I decided to turn off the limit breaks when I was fighting Rufus on top of the Shinra Tower. And he like insta killed me because I forgot that I hadn't been leveling up because I turned off the gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a trophy out of that, so I guess it's. Okay. I mean, that makes a huge difference to the PS1 era Final Fantasy games: the ability to press a button and not have encounters, particularly in Final Fantasy IX as well, the Steam version of FF9. It does make a huge difference to the game. There are quite a few old Final Fantasy yeah. games where I'd love to have that, especially mm. in, like the SNES era games. Yeah. Right. I will say, since obviously I never played Seven before, that it will probably be unlikely never play the original version. Which Carly, no, you you need to play the original before the remake comes out. There's just there's no excuse for having never done it at all. Um, <laughs> you don't have to ever go back to it, but you need to play it. You have started time. the game, haven't you? Uh, I made it. You can roll your eyes at me because I don't know the name of the caves. That's fine. But that's as far as I made it. If I had to guess. I will point out again. I mean, that is some way. I will point out again. It's not most of the game, but... Yeah, I will... No. It's maybe like 20%. I will point out again. Yeah. Uh, You cross cross the marshes and you can either run to Chocobo, fight the Midgard Swarmer, however you pronounce it, <laughs> or if you time it right, you can run across the marshes without a chocobo and make it. Or you can use a, a glitch to save the game in the middle of the marshes. And then mm-hmm. it. No, I can time it right yeah, and you can run across. I, I enjoy doing that. It makes me feel like I have some leaps. Mm. 
that I don't actually have. What I mean, like, not playing the original version, I mean that I will probably play, like, the PS4 version of the game. Okay. Well, that's okay, lesson. the original. Lesson, 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 lesson. I need to say this now. <laughs> it's very, very important, right? Um, the PS4 version of the game is undoubtedly the best version available. Unless you count, like, PC with mods, and I mean extensive mods that will take you a long, long time to kind of tailor the game to your liking. Uh, but the PS4, if you want a vanilla version of the game, the PS4 is probably the best way to do it. However, it ruins one of the best moments in the game because there's a music track that is supposed to kick in at a specific point when a very, very important scene happens and it doesn't work properly on the PS4 version or the PC version because of the way that music looping is coded into the game. It plays... It plays the correct theme at the correct time, but it doesn't look the way it's supposed to. And this scene has dialogue that you can't skip, and the text boxes move at a very specific pace because the way it was programmed was to be in time with the music. So every single beat of the scene plays at a specific point in the song that is being played. So in the PS4 and PC version, the impact of the scene is lost because the music doesn't play over it correctly. So if anyone's playing it for the first time, PlayStation version all the way. See, here's the problem. I've seen walkthroughs of the game. It's, it's not going to have the same impact on me anyways. It will. You don't think it will, but it will. I think you've only got yourself to blame there, Carly. Oh, please. Yeah, Carly, I, why are you it, on a... I'm kidding, I'm not going to go I joined because of you, so... Would you blame you instead? Hey, hey, hey. I'm not the one who decided to not join to play the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had played a little bit of the game before. I played it when it came out, but it just wasn't mine. And then my cousin lost it, so just blame him instead. I feel like we've probably covered this ground on the podcast a few times before. Yeah. You guys well, never yeah. stop complaining about the fact that I never finished Final Fantasy VII. And I will point out again that Joe is even further back than I am. Well, he's not here, is he? No, he's <laughs> never been on the podcast. <laughs> so before we move on, did any of you still want to uh, add anything to this discussion about remasters? It doesn't just have to be Final Fantasy games. I mean, like, say... To me, with remastered, let's say Kingdom Hearts, at least for them it was a good idea because, you know, some of the, their games were in other consoles, like you had the 3DS and all that stuff. So at least they brought all of those together. They're probably going a bit overworld with it, but at least it was a good idea to bring all the games together. But you can, like, if you're not going to play, you can at least watch the cutscenes. I mean, I agree. The bottom line with in particular Square Enix games, which have re-releases in Japan with extra features that don't make it West, is that we can get beautiful uh, upscaled or redone textured remasters of these games that we all loved with more in them. So I, I don't think there's a downside in that sense. Uh, it remains to be seen if you know, the original 12 will be worth going back to after playing Zodiac Age just for the freedom to you know have all six of your characters with like farmed Zodiac Spears or whatever, just plowing everything down. But um, I'm enjoying Zodiac Age so far, and it's beautiful to play. I'm pretty sure I'll go back. Now, how yeah. do you get this 
how do you get the spear in Zodiac? It's still just being it's just in a chest. Like this the the chests are all different in Zodiac Age. Um and they follow the IZGS order and I'm pretty sure the Zodiac Spear is in a chest, but it's not like a low chance chest. It's sitting somewhere for you to find. Okay, and you can get it multiple times? Uh, no. So some of the chests you get once and they disappear forever and other elsewhere in the game there'll be like another chest that has like a 1% Zodiac Spear spawn rate and that'll be the one that you can farm. But the thing is the Zodiac Spear is not actually that amazing um, compared to some of the other weapons in Zodiac Age because in IZGS they added all sort they added like a, basically an ultimate weapon for each class. And quite often those are better than the Zodiac Spear. So keep yeah. an eye out for those. Will do. I mean, for me, the problem with remasters is sometimes company obviously only do it to get money. The games that came out a year or two years and they already have a remaster. Hmm. So I find myself not caring. Like, I'm not one of these. I, I know that there's massive amounts of complaints about all oh, release new games don't remaster old ones but i'm not on that train because there are games that i love that i, I don't have easy access to anymore uh King, kingdom hearts is an example i'm not the biggest kingdom hearts fan anymore but i really like that they've remastered them so i can say okay i can easily play that on my current console same situation with um you know 12 because that was the biggest one people were waiting for if you're a final fantasy fan after 10 and 10 too so I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Remaster all of the games. Be as greedy as you fucking want. Just do a good job of it uh, and everybody will be happy. Agreed. So it seems, if I'm going to summarise this, that we will go back and play old games if we feel like the new ones have been ruined or if there have been some big changes which we either don't like or maybe we do like but we still want to experience it how it was in the original. Would that be fair? It's subjective. Yeah. Subjective in it. It's, it's, it varies from person to person because there will be deal breakers for some people that other people do not care about in uh, certain games. Like if, if something has changed in the Zodiac Age that you absolutely were in love with in the original 12, you're going to want to play the original more than you want to play the remaster. I think you and I are having a little bit of a discussion about this with the Insane trilogy recently, the Crash Bandicoot yes. remasters. Uh, yeah. Long story short, I, I tried the game at a friend's house and got so frustrated with the uh, controls and the hitboxes and the input lag that when I got home I had to like boot up Crash 2 and Emulator and play a few levels just to kind of remind myself how it was supposed to feel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it comes. there's a lot that's going to be into it for you. I mean, I regularly replay the original Crash games as well on my Vita and through emulation, um, and I quickly got used to the Insane Trilogy's weirdness, so to speak. Uh, and I think you should maybe try playing it on a monitor with no input lag as well, because it's less controller input lag and more to do with like LCD monitor yeah. um, stuffs. So give that a bash, because I, I had a great time with the Insane Trilogy. A crash bash? Uh, what about crash bash? No, you said give it a bash, and I was saying, should I give it a crash uh, bash? No, uh, okay. You ruined it. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so let's just ask our, our listeners as well. Um, do remasters make the old games obsolete or do you still find reasons to play them? Feel free to be specific. Uh, which games uh, do you really enjoy the remasters of and which games do you still prefer the originals? And if you want to write to us, our email address is livestreampod, that's all one word, at gmail.com.
And speaking of listener feedback, um, obviously we haven't recorded a podcast in a while, so we don't have a lot of it. Uh, but we did upload the Final Fantasy 15 review to YouTube a couple of days ago, and we've got one comment on there so far. So I'll, I'll read that out, and perhaps the two of you who were on that podcast can respond. Uh, it's a comment from a person called Gary Barnes, and he says, you guys didn't discuss what you thought of the summons and how they were utilized, which I believe was completely shitty. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we actually did cover that at length in our original attempt at recording. And I think that we probably we forgot to go over it again when we re-recorded it. I thought that we had, like, I swear to God, we did go over it again, but maybe we didn't. Uh, here's um, the thing. We did the second one late, and at that point, it felt like I honestly couldn't remember what we were talking in the first one and what was from the second one. So that's why it feels like, oh, yeah, we, we covered that, but we did in the first one, unfortunately. And I, I think you, me, and basically everyone complained about the way the summons are used, which is the problem is you can go the whole game and only get the like the ones that will definitely come out and then not have the other ones at all ever in the game. Sometimes I forget that they're even there. <laughs> and that was very um, annoying because it's a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Like, I think that... I mean, from a story concept, they're cool, but gameplay-wise, I kind of am not... I wasn't feeling the summons. There, It's a very strange system. I forget that they're there, and I'm not even 100% sure how you can get them to pop up. I feel like the majority of the time when when the command pops up to give you the option to summon, it pops up and then the enemy dies that I'm fighting, and it's like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to summon you because the, so the moment the command popped up, it killed the enemy, so I don't know. I think, like, Ramu is the easiest one to get it. That was the only one that came out for me in the game. If I'm not wrong, and I could be because I haven't played the game in a while, you, to get Leviathan, you need, I think, to be dying and next to the water. I guess I don't know, because I feel like Leviathan is the one that pops up for me the most, but I never really paid attention to what might have caused it. Um, how about you two, Lex and Tets, you both played 15? What, what about it? Like, what do I think of the summons? Yeah. Uh, they're a nice spectacle. That's about it. Tets? I think my biggest problem was like the story implementation because there's like, you know, you, you go through some trouble to get Titan and Leviathan. There's like a lot of destruction in those battles and you go through all the effort to get them. But then, you know, when they appear later in the stories, like, I don't know, they just appear once and then like, I don't know, they, they don't really have a big role in the story. And I kind of feel like, well, why did I go through all that effort just for this one appearance? So I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I do kind of feel like towards the end, like Titan and Leviathan become completely irrelevant to the story. Um, like Shiva and Bahamut are the ones that seem to actually have a story purpose, whereas Titan and Leviathan were just there so they could give you cool boss mm. fights. Yeah. I think that's probably our sign to the game being unfinished and not like fully thought through what they were like going what the idea was supposed to be with that i think i may have said this before on a podcast a long time ago but uh the thing with summons in all of the 3d final fantasy games that is seven and onwards is that um it's very difficult to strike a balance between 
making them you know just powerful enough but not overpowered and also keeping their animations reasonably manageable something that you're going to put up with seeing a lot um perhaps this isn't exactly so relevant to 15 but i don't think a lot of final fantasy games have really got summons right in terms of gameplay like in 12 i would never ever summon them in 10 they're overpowered etc no thoughts on that <laughs> yeah. no i agree uh, it's worth noting that in Zodiac Age and IZGS, they did make some changes to the uh, summons, to the espers, um, and they are a lot more powerful, a lot more useful. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay, well, since we don't have any other feedback, this section will be quite short. Um, let's just conclude the show by asking our guests if they have any other business they'd like to bring up, perhaps uh, some game that they've been playing and enjoying recently. It doesn't have to be a Final Fantasy game. Uh, I don't know, a movie they've seen or anything? What's been on your mind recently, guys? Um, let's see. But, you know, I'm so busy with school and stuff. I like haven't been posting on the forum very much. But Spider-Man, Penny. Spider I was, I was going to bring that up. Um, and say Spider -Man, or Wonder Woman was awesome. I loved it. Um, and I'm not even a huge DC fan, but I was like, I'm, I'm so glad they finally made a movie that doesn't suck. Um, but yeah, I'm I am a very big Marvel fan, especially Spider-Man, and I really like the movie. I loved Spider-Man Homecoming. My only real qualm was that the final confrontation with the vultures seems like it ends very abruptly out of nowhere. And I'm just like like I don't know. Like the fight should have kept going and then suddenly it just ends for a really strange reason. But other than that, I enjoyed it. I know that people, there are like diehard fans who have, who have problems with certain things they did in the movie. There are certain things that I wish that they could have done and didn't do, but I understand why they did what they did. I can all blame Sony Pictures um, for being stupid and not just letting Spider-Man go when they should have. I would call it like probably the best Spider-Man movie. And I used to be like a huge fan of the original movies, but to me, they have not aged well. Uh, I feel yeah. the same way. Like, sorry. Mostly <laughs> um, because you, you like you're like the biggest Spider-Man fan on the forum, but I like know, I, I, I don't know if I am. I think if, I think Kimball would be upset if he heard you say that because he's like super into Spider-Man too. <laughs> then you're but, like tied. Okay, we, we was to say we're tied. Um, because I remember you know the the Raimi trilogy when that came out. I was still in high school. And I remember just being excited that we had a live-action Spider-Man movie. I think I was more apologetic of those movies than anything. And, you know, the, the production value was really good. Like, the, the battles were awesome. The final battle against the Green Goblin in the first movie was great. The train battle against Dr. Octopus, the second movie, was really great. The third movie was a clusterfuck. I've only seen it once and never gone back because it was like, yeah. I don't ever want to see this ever again. I feel like it was borderline ruining Spider-Man for me. Um, but yeah, I tried rewatching both of those movies, like just like a, a couple of years ago as an adult, and I was like, these did not age well. And Tobey Maguire just, I'm like, you know, he really isn't not. He's really not. He's not Spider Man. And people always say, oh, he's a good Peter Parker, but not Spider Man. I'm like, I'm actually, he's not really good either. You know, Spider Man's not a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde character. Um, 
I, I do have to say that I think I think that I enjoyed Andrew Garfield a lot more than Tobey Maguire, but I do understand that he wasn't really nerdy enough. Tom Holland, I think, is the perfect balance. Like he he's like the the talkative, um, you know, the way that like Peter Spider Man should be, but he's still like nerdy, but not in like I don't know how to describe it, but he's just with 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 the characterization of Spider-Man in this movie, they got it right. Like um, he is... he's not he's not overly sorky, which Andrew Garfield was. I loved him, but I, I I understand that that's not really what Peter Parker was. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell me why Wire was like super whiny, which is not what either Spider-Man or Peter Parker. Tell me why Wire. He never he never joked about anything. Like he had like a Spider-Man who didn't tell any jokes, and that's not. Right. And yeah, Andrew Garfield was like a, a little too cool. He did kind of come off as this kind of like a straight up asshole sometimes, which not exactly the best way to go either. But I did still enjoy him. Whereas I just thought that, you know, um, Toby Maguire kind of got awkward at times where it's like, okay, now I, feel, now I feel like I feel like uncomfortable watching this movie, but Tom Holland was perfect. I thought that he was perfect. The way that he was written was perfect. Everything was his, his characterization in this movie was perfect and he's a lot like, more believable of a teenage boy too yeah because he wasn't dirty uh, i think <laughs> the original spider-man movies benefited for the fact that weren't really a lot of superhero movies at the time the only other movies that were good were x-men but then like once the christopher nolan movies came out like it's a different world right now yeah i do have to give props the original sam raimi trilogy with toby mcguire I feel like probably are what primed the movie market for like the Marvel Cinematic Universe to even happen in the first place. I, I do question if those movies hadn't happened first, would we have all this now? Probably not. So you have to give credit where it's due. But they're not really movies. I think I still own the first two on DVD, but they're not movies that I go back and rewatch anymore. Okay, I'm afraid I have nothing to add on the Spider-Man conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, how about uh, the men on this podcast have been sitting quietly for the last few minutes? Lex, Ted, have you mm. been uh, playing anything interesting recently? Hmm. Okay, I'll just give a quick rundown of the media I have been enjoying recently, including gaming and TV shows and whatnot. Uh, played through the NCAA trilogy, that was awesome. Got all the platinums. Uh, played through... I'm currently, I played through the Stormblood main story, that's been awesome. I recently joined a static for high-level progression raging. Uh, that's going swimmingly. <laughs> uh, I am also playing through the Zodiac Age, which is pretty cool. Uh, in terms of stuff I've been watching, today I watched the Blair Witch sequel, um, which I enjoyed because it's, it's quite scary, even though as a movie it's a bit crap. Um, <laughs> but I like all the kind of deeper lore stuff because um, I was I kind of like really liked the Blair Witch Project originally. I found it more of a psycho psychological movie rather than a straight up horror. Um, and it started a lot of trends that maybe people don't like, but I thought that was excellent. So uh, Blair Witch is the name of the 2016 movie, which is kind of like a direct sequel to that. And it was faithful to a lot of like the original background stuff from the first movie, so that's pretty cool. Uh, what else have I done? I've been watching Orphan Black, which me and Carly love together. Um, and <gasps> that's last week's episode is the best episode that show has had since its beginning. 
Um, and I'm just completely in love with it, and I can't wait for the new episode to come out tomorrow um, to watch that. So what else have I been doing? We should have recorded reactions because you guys would have been laughing because we heard the whole episode just <laughs> yeah, we, because we knew something was going to happen and we're like, it's going to happen now, it's going to happen now. For the past now. couple of weeks, weeks, Carly and I have been uh, watching it together on Discord Voice, so we've been hitting play at the same time and watching the episode. Uh, and last week was, the I think, the first time where that's kind of been worth it because I was like, <gasps> Carly, Carly, it's going to happen. Oh my God, what's she going to do? Um... And yeah, that is that show is amazing. I can't recommend it to, enough to anybody that likes good TV. It is a serial drama. Um, it's sci-fi. It's fun. It's great. It has loads of different characters, and Tatiana Maslany is one of the best actresses. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Everybody should go check it out. And I think that's it for me, to be honest. I'm not sure. What other media I've been enjoying? For I had went on a bit of a Star Wars kick a couple of weeks ago, and started rewatching, you know, reaction videos to um, the Force Awakens trailers and stuff, and that's always good for a little um, emotion boost <laughs> of short-term happiness. Reaction trailers give me life. Like, yes, just, if you're having a shitty day, go watch some reaction trailers and the people freaking out just makes everything so yes completely better. agree um and uh, that prompted me to rewatch rogue one and uh, the force awakens uh and i had a great time rewatching those as well so that's me and that's well i've been playing horizon zero dawn recently Ooh. uh not super far into it yet like I'm kind of playing it on and off and I kind of fear that I kind of ruined the game a little bit for myself because the last game I played before that was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm. And Breath of the Wild to me is like, I think to me that was like the best open world I've ever personally experienced in a game. And I just don't get the same kind of enjoyment out of the open world and horizon. Like it looks gorgeous, but it just doesn't really invite me for like exploration finding uh, neat little things here and there. I kind of miss that. There's like the sense yeah, of, I kind of want to go back to Zelda. That is definitely on my two playlist. I have like a million games I need to play, but I'm like, God, I really want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. It looks so good. The combat is really fun in Horizon. Like taking down all these weird robot animals and dinosaurs. Like you have all kinds of shit you can do, like bows and arrows and like weird wire traps and, you know, wire casters where you can tie like these things down and then just attack them in close quarters it's actually pretty fun i'm just not enjoying the open world aspect that much because the open world aspect is a little bit more generic with like okay here's your map and here's like twenty thousand icons that point out every little thing you can do and that that's going to distract you from the main story of the game it's a little bit of a checklist <laughs> thing do you feel like yeah i did sorry go ahead tenny i'll say i did play horizon zero dawn at someone else's place for I think I played it for like 20 minutes um while I was waiting for them to do something they're like hey I got this game I think it's like you should play it I'm like yeah I've been wanting to play the game and it was fun I remember I did kind of I thought it was pretty easy to pick up because like I it was he he was already like halfway through the game so I just kind of started fighting monsters and I'm all like look I took my bow and arrow and I just killed the thing right in the eye socket and I know it was fun, but I need to actually 
get my own copy and sit down and play the story. You guys are always going on about these AAA games, and I'm just here playing my little indie games. Like the other day, I bought a game called Pyre, P Y R E. It's from uh, Supergiant Games, who made a Bastion and Transistor, which are both fantastic. And uh, I've only got about an hour into this new game so far because I've been playing a lot of 14. But again, the visuals and the audio are absolutely fantastic. Not entirely sold on the gameplay yet, but I think it's probably going to grow on me. Well, at least I'm intrigued because, I mean, Bastion and Transistor are also great games. Yeah. Transistor, I absolutely love. Bastion, I like. Transistor's my thing. Maybe because I'm like into programming and stuff and it's all about that. I should probably pick up more indie games. Um, I know I have been meaning to play I Am Set Sooner. Does that count? Well, that's a Square Enix game, so no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't sure like they could be publishing it, but who actually developed it? I'm not entirely sure. I think that was more of an indie developer um, set up for I Am Set Sooner. Okay. I'm also gonna because I did. Get... The trailer for that game did give definitely gave me a more of a Final Fantasy X vibe. Um, so I was like, I should check this out. I'm also going to give a shout out to the uh, European Speedrunners Assembly. Uh, some of you may know that I'm into my speedruns, and uh, this is like the European equivalent of Games Done Quick. Uh, this is a bit smaller, but I always enjoy seeing some runners from my home country of Finland. And uh, this year, they even had a game about Finland. It's called My Summer Car. Again, I think it's just a little indie title, probably about 10 euros on Steam or something. And it's this kind of ridiculously bad, you know, good but bad sort of simulator game where you have to build up a car in the summer from like salvaging parts and stuff. And you can go around drinking beer and fighting with your neighbors. And it's basically a simulation of finished life. So please go check that out. Uh, I think Carly's also wanted to add something before we wrap this up. Yes. I haven't really been gaming outside of Stormblood. I'm supposed to finish Horizon, but I haven't. I, the most I've done is like finish shows that I hadn't finished. Uh, Vertical Saul, finished season two that was on Netflix. Obviously, our friend Black that I've been watching with Lex, uh, Mr. Robot. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, you should. It's a great show. Uh, movie wise, there's a movie that I'm really looking forward to watching. It's Dunkirk, and I'm going to see it tomorrow. I always been really fascinated with world war ii i know most people in america don't know about dunkirk but it's something that i've known for years and that that is an event that it always fascinated me because had it gone a different way they wouldn't be that would have ended world war ii i am worried that in the movie they're not going to show what the friends did it but otherwise i heard that like the movie is amazing i have heard some criticisms um that and like i i'm not a, like i don't know if, if if i knew about dunk the whole like the whole situation of what happened or not i feel like i've heard of it before but at the same time is that a real memory or is it whatever that thing is called where you believe like where you remember something that never actually happened um but I, I have heard some criticisms that there's like like less representation of people who actually were there fighting but they're not in the movie and I don't really know the details. I haven't looked. I haven't had a chance to read up on it yet. But I, that is, that does look like a movie I want to check out. Like it's it's not that it's it's not like okay, this is a movie like showing the actual event. That's not no. I'm pretty sure most of the characters in that movie are fictional characters, which I'm sorry will be something that annoys. They will annoy a lot of people. 
but like the main criticism that I heard is is that uh, there's not enough dialogue. Uh, it, Christopher Nolan has been criticized recently for some of his most recent movie being like having a lot of exposition. So he went in the opposite direction in this movie. And it just, it, it has a problem that you then don't care about the characters. I see. Well, either way, I'll, I'll hopefully see that eventually. If you can see it in IMAX, that would, I, I, I don't have the option. There's only like one IMAX movie theater in the whole island, which annoys me. And it's, it's in the East Coast, which I would have to travel two and a half hours to see a movie. I'm not going to do that. But if you, you have the opportunity to see it in IMAX, I heard it's amazing. Okay, I'll have to do that. Yeah, I do, I do enjoy movies in IMAX, although they can be really expensive sometimes. But you know, that just, rem- just reminded me of something complete, like a completely different. Um, when I went to go see like, Spider-Man Homecoming the first time, because I've seen it twice now, I was in Seattle visiting a friend of mine who lives there and she bought us tickets because I was there on like the opening day. And so she bought tickets to what she thought was the IMAX showing, but it was this weird thing called 4DX where like your seat moves and it like mists water and blows air. And there's like these weird things that like slap your legs or whatever. So like you could be sitting there if the movie had a quiet moment um, and you kind of forget about it. Then all of a sudden he would like start web swinging and your chair would like try to throw you out of it. I was like, what the hell is this? I don't like this anymore. Like, it very nearly came close to ruining the entire experience for me. I was I was wanting to get up and walk out because I was like, I can't take my fucking chair trying to throw me out of it all the time. I've experienced that once. It's supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed the to be like get you more involved in the movie. It's just a gimmick had, and it's stupid. It is stupid. I had actually never heard of it before. Like, I don't know if we have any theaters that have 4DX here. Um, and so like when I was with my friend, that was the first time I'd ever even known that this was a thing. Like, I know that like they have like amusement park rides where you're like watching a projection of a roller coaster and your seat moves like you're in a roller coaster. Okay. That's fine. But I'm watching a normal movie. I just want to watch the movie. I don't want my seat to move. I don't think it was called 4DX, but way back in like the mid nineties, I was at, um, Epcot in Disney world, Florida. And they had something there called Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. And it was a kind of a spin-off of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where you get, you know, shrunk in the film. And then you get all these similar effects of, like, mice running across your feet and water spraying into your face and stuff like that. Well, see, that's a difference. Cause it's like a, it's basically it's a, an it's amusement a, park like, ride. Yeah. Where, yeah, because where, we're, like, here, I think, I feel like most people would refer to this as, like, a mystery mine ride <laughs> because of, because like the, the like because at the mall of america um there i don't know if it's still there anymore but it was like you were in like a mining cart in this shaft and so your seat would move as your mining cart was going down the tracks um and then i remember when i one year at the state at the state fair they had this thing you could go into where it was like a roller coaster or something and your seat would move and so it was but it was like trying to simulate being in a mine so they referred to it as a mystery mine ride but i don't think that's the actual term I think it was just that's like what you were watching but it was that was the intent like you are watching you are you were in a roller coaster and your seat is moving like you were on a roller coaster or in the mine whatever like you weren't watching you were just in a normal theater watching a normal movie and then your seat tries to throw you out because it's trying to simulate spider-man web swinging it's a completely different experience and it was awful <laughs> On that note, 
hopefully this show hasn't been awful but i think it's time to wrap it up you can tune in for more spider-man discussion next week oh in two weeks time sorry probably not <laughs> so yes uh, all that remains is for me to thank everyone very much for listening uh I'll remind you that our email address if you'd like to write into us is livestreampod at gmail.com uh also we'd love it if you would leave us a review on itunes or you can leave a comment on youtube when this episode goes up or on our front page or of course sign up to our forum and get to know us a bit better now i haven't thought of a sign off line for my first time hosting so I'm just going to go with Vader's old classic. Um, yeah. Oh, crap. I don't remember exactly, but it was like, take care and always protect the crystals. Bye. I think that is it. Bye.